True identity management and access management includes much more than mere authentication, says Paul Simmons of the Jericho Forum. And through a global initiative being spearheaded by Simmons and others, the hope is to rebuild the way global organizations and individuals handle identity. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Paul, can you give our audience a little background about why identity management is so challenging? Yeah, very simply, Tracy. Um, we do it back to front. <laughs> and that might seem a little strange, but if we, when we went and looked at you know, why every single identity management initiative globally has failed or imploded globally, we found that basically we've been doing identity because of the way the mainframe likes to do it from back in the 60s. In other words, the mainframe which holds your account is God, small g, and therefore we have to deign to authenticate ourselves to that account. And computers have evolved from that, but they've kept that same structure. And basically, it doesn't work, which is why everything fails. So we need to do it differently. We need to do it back to front. And at the heart of it is this thing we call locus of control. Computer systems today are based on the fact that they want the control. They want to understand exactly who that person is. And it's an absolute. Um, and again, that doesn't work in an internet risk-based environment. So what would you say, Paul, are some of the failures or the inherent weaknesses of the current authentication practices we have in place today? So again, it, it's back to this locus of control. That's at the heart of it. And it's, it's been shown up really big in, in trying to implement cloud systems. It's the ability to share or the inability, in most people's cases, to share your identity system with others outside your locus of control. And it's the other way around. It's the ability or inability to consume identity from other systems that are out there. And actually, most of what we're trying to do today is actually not even identity. It's purely authentication. And we can't even share that properly. That's the root of, of the problems we're facing today. Now, the Global Identity Foundation has identified what it calls the six conundrums of global identity. Paul, can you tell us what those are? We looked a little bit about why we couldn't ever get identity to scale globally. And we came up with these sort of six conundrums. And if you can't answer these six conundrums, then actually it won't scale. And the first one is what we call immutable linking. So does the third party know, with a defined level of trust, what entity, and it doesn't have to be a person, remember, it could be a device, it could be another organization, but what entity is making the assertion that they are them. And that's got to work globally. Secondly, we've got to answer the conundrum, will, will the US accept a Chinese identity and vice versa? Because you know, we live in this global world, the internet is global, and yet we still like to do things on a, a local scale. And you've got to answer that conundrum. The third one is persona-based. Um, and we'll come on a little bit later, I think, in this questioning of, of you know, why persona-based is really key. But it's really important that actually identities are based on personas. Four, you have to be able to assert attributes about that identity from authoritative sources. And again, that's really key because otherwise you end up with a liability problem. Because if I get an assertion from a non-authoritative source, so someone in Hungary is asserting that they are over 18, and it's from an organized, the assertion comes signed from an organization that's not authoritative, 
even though they might have done identity proofing in their country, I can't trust it. So unless it's actually I am over 18 is proved and asserted for a Hungarian citizen by the Hungarian government, it's not going to work and it's not going to scale. Is it privacy enhancing? Can I control where my personas are held under my control rather than someone else's control? And I want to hold different personas in different places. I want a personal persona to be held where I choose, whereas my citizen persona might be held by the government. And ultimately, is it extensible to anywhere? So we don't want to assume that you know, there's this form factor or whatever that works beautifully if you're in the Western world and have smartphones, whereas it won't work in Africa or it won't work in sort of deepest wherever, outer Mongolia, because it doesn't fit their needs. We can't have a one-size-fits-all solution. Paul, why is identity the root cause of most of the security problems we face on the Internet today? Um, that's a great question. If, I mean, if you look at everything really that is bad or problematic on the internet and drill down to why is it failing. Actually, identity generally is at the root of all those failures. So, you know, if I give you a couple of examples, spam, email claiming to be from another identity, password reset spam. How do you know it's actually eBay or Barclays Bank that is requesting that password reset because you can't check their identity? Hacking, again, you don't know who's trying to access your systems. If you could identify them, you could make a decision about whether they're legitimate or not. Distraction thefts and the shoulder surfing are all down to try and steal credentials so that you can impersonate that person's identity. Buy cameras on ATMs trying to steal their PIN, which is the PIN is used to prove that you are who you say you are, in other words, your identity. Social engineering, we all know about social engineering. Can I pretend to be someone I'm not? And then obviously viruses trying to steal banking credentials, which actually, again, is code, which is an entity type without identity. So we can't check the validity of that code easily before we execute it. Paul, the Jericho Forum is this global security group of CISOs from around the world. In 2009, the Jericho Forum published a global identity system that can be used by governments, corporations, and even individuals. And this global identity foundation is now taking this work from the Jericho Forum forward. Can you tell us briefly what is at the core of this system that's been developed and what makes it different? We effectively see three main differences. The first one is this thing we call an anonymous root. So every other identity system out there is basically founded on the concept that someone somewhere owns this root of your identity on your behalf and they've proofed you and everything else to say you are who you say you are. The difference is if we want to make this scale globally and work, you actually have to start with an anonymous route. In other words, no one knows who you are. You can go down to your local post office or wherever, a corner shop potentially, and buy one of these things in cash totally anonymously. And it doesn't matter whether you're a US citizen or a British citizen or a Chinese citizen. You can just go and buy one of these things because the route is anonymous. And it seems very counterintuitive the first time you come across this. But it's been really a strange journey as we did the work on this and said, actually, if you start with this principle of anonymity at the root, everything else just works. The second one is persona-based. And personas really are for two reasons. One is, it's how humans work. So today, you're talking to me in the guise of my security professional persona. But you know nothing about my family persona or my sporting persona or other personas within my life. And it's how humans operate, and it's how we as humans segregate our lives to maintain privacy. 
And we need to do exactly the same and operate a persona-based system. And once you realize that actually a persona contains attributes from authoritative sources, and that's sort of the definition, you group together attributes about your life, then it solves the third thing, which is attributes from authoritative sources, which almost overnight solves the liability question. And I know with initiatives like NSTIC, uh, the lawyers in the US are having um, real conundrums with how you solve the liability issue. So if I prove someone is over 18, and they then go and, or over in the US over 21, and they then go and drink and kill someone, who's liable if you've proved authoritatively that they were over 21 and, and they turned out not to be. You know, who's going to get sued? That attribute is, is from an authoritative source, say the US government, and it's asserted properly, then actually there's no debate about whether they're over 18, over 21, under 60, over 30, whatever you want to do. So Paul, what are the implications for banking institutions and other types of organizations such as government? How should they be baking some of these things into their existing policies and authentication practices? Basically, the identity commandments were designed as 14 commandments that you could take and you could look at any identity ecosystem that was either in development or in use and look at it and say, you know, how good, bad, or indifferent is this? And baking some of these things in means that you get a much more secure, a much more robust system, and one that potentially, if you take it with the six conundrums as well, is capable of scaling. Um, Basically, everything we do at the moment, especially in banking, suffers from some degree of fraud. And, you know, we've got some good stuff out there that's going on. We've looked at things like uh, SafeKey from American Express and SecureCode from MasterCard, verified by Visa. They all combat fraud, but they all suffer from, you know, high degrees of password failure. And therefore, actually, if you've ever come across it, um, the password reset that goes with those those systems is actually pretty weak because of the high degree of failure. And, and any time you have passwords involved in the system, then you have a high degree of failure and leads people to do automatic resets, which means that, again, it can be spoofed and uh, the bad guys can get in. So we need a better way. Obviously, you know, as everyone will tell you, we need to get rid of passwords. Well, that's fine. Banking websites, again, inability to positively identify the user, numerous authentication methods, and most of the banks that I know and talk to are layering on a whole load of heuristics at the back end, because ultimately, a four-digit PIN or a six-digit PIN or whatever it is, or a password at the front end, actually doesn't prove it's the user. It just proves they know the username and PIN combination. And of course, you know, now we're getting uh, PayWave and PayPass, the contactless cards, and NFC transactions on, on your cell phone. And okay, they're only allowing low-value transactions, but again, there's no guarantee whatsoever about who is using that device. It's purely, if you're holding the device, you can make the payment out of that account. And again, we need to move beyond that. Correctly implemented, turning it round, if we can actually link a single authoritative source from a strong identity with a known and guaranteed linkage between the person and the device, or devices more importantly, that they are using, actually we can kill a lot of this fraud dead overnight and more importantly we can allow the banks to do higher value and less risky transaction that's in current use today. So Paul, how would this new model nullify the need for passwords and then solve some of the problems that are posed by BYOD? The key thing here is 
what you do is you take your anonymous root of identity and you go and register it with who you need to. So you might start off with a citizen identity, for example. So you would go off to your passport office or wherever and you would say, yeah, I can prove my passport, my birth certificate, that I am Paul Simmons. I, in my case, I'm a British citizen. And therefore, I would like to create an electronic citizen persona linked to my anonymous root of identity with cryptographically a one-way trust. So that assures that you can't go back up um, and work out who I am or what my other personas are. Um, once you've got that, it's, it's incredibly powerful because now I can use that and I can go to the bank, who obviously are under you know, the Know Your Own Customer regulations, KYC, and say, I am Paul Simmons. I can prove I'm Paul Simmons. I can assert my citizen identity to prove that the government says I am Paul Simmons and I am a British or a US or whatever citizen. From that, they can then create me a bank account linked again one-way trust to the same anonymous route. And now the bank has met oh, a lot of their uh, obligations, certainly in terms of identity proofing, against the customer. Now. I can then use that to assert multiple assertions out of that. So, for example, if I wanted to buy a high-value item and I'd also linked my Amazon account to this identity, I could now assert that I am Paul Simmons. Here is my ability to pay my, uh, my Visa or my American Express profile. And here is my Amazon account. And Amazon could ship that high-value piece of, let's say, television to me in the certain knowledge that because the root of the identity is the same, even though it's anonymous, only that entity could have asserted those three bits of information at the same time. So now they end up with a very trustworthy system that is very, very difficult to spoof. Paul, going back to talk a bit about the Global Identity Foundation, you and I spoke about this foundation in early 2013 during the RSA conference in San Francisco. How has this group evolved in the last year? Enormously, I'd like to think. Um, so we've evolved to the point where the concepts we were talking about in February have now been tested by an awful lot of people. So we've spent uh, most of this summer talking to uh, the academics and a lot of businesses out there and sort of saying, look, this is what has been come up with from work out of Jericho, work out of other organizations, some work out of uh, European funded money that's gone on and is open source. And we think this model stands up to rigor. What do you think? And everyone who's looked at it so far Apart from a few tweaks at the edges um, and a few some really good suggestions on things we might not have considered, this model has stood up to scrutiny. So we're now taking it into this thing called the, the Global Identity Foundation. And over the summer, we finished writing the white paper, the new website is up, and we're now just in the process of going out to about 200 individuals and organizations, a lot of which we've already spoken to, and saying, right, you know, it's good to go. We're ready to start. Get involved. And, and that's where we are today. And then, Paul, before we close, what final thoughts would you like to share about this initiative and what you think needs to happen over the course of the next year to move things forward? We need people to get involved. I mean, it's, it's people who are interested in what the future of global identity looks like. Everyone we've spoken to out there, especially in business, they've been coming up with suggestions 
for actually this was how did I could leverage this within my business either to save money or to offer new services or to enhance existing services so we need now need people to come to and work with us to input their business problems to think through together as a collective group what this thing needs to look like such that it's rigorous and well tested in terms of usability and applicability for uh, not only for, for people but for all the entity types so it's people it's organizations it's devices it's code it's you know how we enable bring your own device lots of uh, facets to this but we're bringing it all together in the melting pot and we need people to get involved such that um, you know we can start saying this is what it really looks like uh, hard and fast and then people can start building it Paul I'd like to thank you again for your time this morning oh you're very welcome lovely to speak to you again we've just heard from Paul Simmons of the Jericho Forum for Information Security Media Group I'm Tracy Kitten